so have you ever forgotten anything? I mean, like forgotten something. I don't mean like a thing, but something that's really important, like a very valuable uh, way that you think, for instance. Um, during the last few months, I, I suddenly realized that, um, that there's something that's been very core to my being that I, I've forgotten. Um, and I remembered it this week. I remembered it because uh, as I was studying God's Word, I suddenly realized, you know what? Um, this is too important to forget. And, and it's something that if you've heard me speak, you've probably heard me use this phrase for, oh, goodness, a long time. The first time I, I heard the phrase, I was a young doctoral student at Emory University in Atlanta. And one of my professors, uh, Dr. Kenan Callahan, said this phrase in a classroom. And I don't know if you've ever had like an aha God moment in a classroom, but I had one, all right? It, was, it is possible to do that in a, in a university classroom. And, and, when, and when Dr. Callahan said these words, it just registered in my brain, and I, and I put them down, and it, and it formed just almost everything about me. And so I want to share it with you because I forgot it, and I need to remember it. And I would hope you would want to remember it too. Here's what Dr. Callahan said. Hope is stronger than memory. Memories are strong, but hope is stronger. I, I've known that ever since he said it, and I wrote it down. In fact, I've shared it all over the world, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to let people know that. You know what? In Jesus Christ, hope is stronger than our memories. Our, our memories are strong. They hold us back, they, they root us, they ground us, but, but, but hope, no, hope is stronger than memories. And by the way, it's not just like hope as in wishful thinking. It's not just hope as in, oh, keep hope alive. You know, no, it, it, it's, not, it's not that kind of hope. No, it's hope in Jesus. For Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And as we've been walking through this entire uh, cultural shift, this recalibration that's going on, I, I, I forgot it. And so I apologize to you for forgetting that. And I would hope that today you could join me in this great recalibration so that we could understand that, that in Jesus Christ, when He begins to, to recalibrate our heart, and then He begins to recalibrate our integrity, He does it in such a way that it gives a hope that nothing else and no one else can give. That when our hope is recalibrated in Jesus, then suddenly we have wisdom at our disposal we never had humanly. We have discernment available to us through His Spirit that we don't have humanly. We have resources available to us that we've not ever had humanly. The story's something that every Christian has to learn. The concept is something that every generation has to reiterate and pass along to the next generation. All of us have to, have to hold on to this hope in Jesus Christ, for He is the hope of the world. The early church learned that. In, in the first century, they learned very quickly that when, when God begins to recalibrate your heart, and He begins to recalibrate your integrity, then, then He begins to, to place a hope in you that won't stay in you. That hope gets shared beyond you. Listen as I read a, a short vignette, actually, out of the book of Acts. It, it, it's a little, little story that, that kind of fits in between all the other stories. 
And for those of you who are just joining us, we're in, a, we're in a series called The Great Recalibrate, and we're taking it from the early days of the life of the church in the book of Acts. And what we've learned so far is that when God recalibrates our heart, it kind of shakes up everything in us. And, and we begin to, to come together in such a way with, with others whose hearts have been recalibrated that, that the world takes notice of it. And, and when God begins to recalibrate our integrity, it goes all the way down to the core of our being. And that that really is an important thing for us to, to know, that he's, he's recalibrating us. And so, for the early church, they've been through this time where, where God has melted their hearts together. They've, they've said to each other and to God, whatever God wants, that's what we're going to do. And, and then they, they watched as, as God kind of began to purify their their community with integrity when a husband and wife in that community decided that they, they kind of didn't really want to do everything the way God wanted them to. They just wanted to do some of the stuff God wanted them to do, and, and they wanted everybody to think that they were more than they were, and their integrity was not where it needed to be. And, and so then, then everybody around in the community, well, and in the city, and in the fellowship of the believers, listen to what happened for them from Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly being done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. And the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Did you hear that phrase in the first verse that I read? that there were regularly signs and wonders being done by the hands of the apostles. That's the phrase that reminded me of what I'd forgotten, that that there were regularly miracles and and, and healings and and things happening in people's by the hands of the apostles. And I began to think about that phrase, by the hands of the apostles. It wasn't in some kind of mystical concept. It wasn't some kind of thing where, where they were just thinking about what, no, these men were involved. They were laying their hands on. Their hands were involved in the process. And it, and it dawned on me, if, if we're going to let God recalibrate our hope, if we're going to remember what we've forgotten, that Jesus is the hope of the world, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of social unrest, in the midst of racial injustice, in the midst of a society that has to be literally recalibrated, If we're going to remember that, if we're going to understand that hope is stronger than our memories, then our memories are strong, but hope is stronger, then then we've got to come to this place where where we understand that that recalibrating hope begins with our hands. Recalibrating hope begins with hands of hope, hands of hope that that you and I have at our disposal. You see, the the apostles were, were people just like us. They were fishermen and businessmen, tax collectors. They'd come from all types of backgrounds. And by this time, by this time, they had discovered that Jesus was the Messiah. And they had allowed Him through His Holy Spirit to live in them. And so as they're walking through the streets, as they're meeting together with the other believers at Solomon's portico, as they're teaching, as they're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the hope of the world, then suddenly it's just natural 
that their hands become hands of hope. I, I got to thinking about that this week. What, what would it look like in this world if that vignette that I just read for you in the midst of this story from the book of Acts became true about the church today? What, what would it be like if you and I had hands of hope that could, that could share? I, I know everything is different. I mean, it, it's different for us. I mean, we, we've gone before COVID-19 on a Sunday. This room would be filled with hundreds of people, and there would be a few dozen people watching us online. And now there are dozens of people on campus and hundreds of people watching us online. And what I've discovered is it's still the church. The church has never stopped. The church has never quit. Even though we went through a period where we were simply meeting online only, we never stopped being the church. A dear friend of mine, David Bish, who died very prematurely, a Church of God pastor from Pennsylvania, before he died, wrote a book. And, and, and the book had the greatest title in the world. It said, I don't go to church. I am the church. I love that phrase. I don't go to church. I am the church. That's what was going on in Jerusalem in these days where regularly the people were seeing the hands of the apostles touching and healing and deliverance. Healing and deliverance was the order of the day. Because you see, that's what hands of hope offer. Hands of hope offer deliverance to people. Hands of hope offer healing to people. I mean, look at the phrase again as, as Luke writes it for us. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. What would, what would that look like right now? In your world, in my world, what, what, would, what, would, what would deliverance and healing look like? Well, if you live in Madison County or Delaware County or Henry County here in Central Indiana, you would know that, that one of the big areas right now in, in, our, in our world is schools. I mean, do schools open? Do they go virtual? Do they go hybrid? We've had schools open and then close. We, we've had schools that, are, that have chosen to go virtual only. And, and the whole concept, every, every family I talk to has school-age children, teachers from this congregation. Everybody's just, what, what's going on? Maybe, maybe what we need is, is some healing and some hope and some deliverance from our fears and some ways of trying to be the hands of hope to people. And can I tell you, I've never been so proud as I was earlier this week when uh, I got a, an email from our children's uh, director, uh, Stephanie Crosby, who, who sent our staff some pictures. Because many of you know that for many years we've had a partnership with East 10th Street or 10th Street Elementary here where we've, we've run a food pantry there for the parents and children of that school. And, um, and this year as school began, and, and, and there was so much question and so much stuff. And, and for those of you who are aware, teachers are in their classrooms in Anderson Community Schools, but their students are at home virtually. And so everybody's got all kinds of anxiety. In fact, there's some of you who teach in that system or teach in other systems. You've got the same anxiety. But what, what Stephanie sent me was a, an email that had a picture in it. I actually had four pictures, and I, and I brought them for you today. I just want you to see, because uh, th these pictures, you see, those are cookies, those are sugar cookies. Do you know that sugar is the source of life? Sugar is the energy force. I'm just telling you right now. And sugar cookies, you don't feed me sugar cookies. I'm amped up enough without them, all right? But I'm just telling you, these, these sugar cookies, and, we, and, and what happens, our kids' ministry had enough of these sugar cookies made 
to, to, to give them to every cafeteria worker, every custodian, every teacher, every administrator at 10th Street Elementary School. And, and look, here's what one of them says, teacher fuel. That's how you know that, you know, it, it's sugar, all right? This is teacher fuel, all right? And, and there's a card there, and I, I, I couldn't get it big enough for you to see it on the screen or for you to see it online, but here's, here's what I want you to know. That, that card tells teachers God is with them, that, that they can do this. And that's what I'm telling you. Hands of hope are just places where we find a way. Maybe it's cookies. Maybe it's pie. Maybe it's cake. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, a, a socially distanced pat on the back. I, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but, but it's some way of saying to somebody, you know what? It's not going to be like this forever. There's a better day coming. There's a, there's a time in life, and it's because we know who God is. It's because we know who Jesus is that we can rest in His promise, and we can know for sure that there is healing and there is hope. In fact, what we want you to know is that over the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to give you ways to be the church. In fact, we're going we're gonna to make a practice for the, for the next couple of months. We don't know how long this is going to last, but what we do know is the church is never closed, and we can be the church and that means you get a chance to be the church. And, and, and it's going to be different for everybody. I mean, maybe you don't bake cookies. Maybe you do something else. But, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you some opportunities. One of them is this. We're, we're, going, to give you, we're going to give you an opportunity to, to help us a, starting a week from tomorrow. We're going to do a, a seven-day prayer vigil. For, for over a decade or more, we've, we've done prayer walks when school started for the schools in the area. Well, we don't really want to do that right now because we're being told not to come on the campus because of, of the COVID restrictions. But can I tell you, what we are going to do is we're going to ask you, and I think they've got a slide up here for it. Yeah, and, and so here's the deal. Our seven days of prayer for schools, for all schools in our area, it's going to start a week from tomorrow. And the way you can be involved in it is you can text four schools, the number four schools, to 94000. And what will happen if you text that in is that a week from tomorrow, you'll get a text from us uh, in the morning with a prayer request for a particular school system or a particular setting in the schools. And then you'll get another one in the evening. And for seven days, we're going to text you, and we're inviting you. We're hoping hundreds of you, well, whether you're online or on campus, whatever your, your scenario is this morning, if you will just, if you'll join us in that. If you're watching us later in the week on demand, it, it'll be open all the way through the time frame. You can text that number, four, text four schools to 94000, and, and you can join us. And I know that there are people who are watching us online faithfully from other states around, around the country, and some of you around the world. I've already had notifications this morning from India, from folks who are watching us over there. And so I just want you to know, if you're watching online, you, you can be a part of helping us pray here, or you can pray for the people in your area. What we're asking you to do is find a way to be the church. Whether it's something as simple as cookies or something as important as prayer, whatever it is, what we're saying is, look, we're the hands of hope. We're the hands that God is using just like God used the apostles' hands to bring healing and deliverance in Jerusalem in the first century. He wants to use your hands, not just your words, not just your ideas, not just your conversation. He wants to use your hands. He wants you to say to him, hey, I'll do what you want me to do. The, the other thing hands of hope do, in addition to, 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 to being uh, places that offer healing and, and, and deliverances, hands of hope bring community. 
And out of that community comes conversion. It's an interesting story. We, we pass it so quickly. Let me read you the, the, the text again so that you can catch what I'm talking about. As they're regularly seeing these people healed and delivered by the hands of the apostles, they were all together, they being the church, which, by the way, we've established over right at 10,000 people by this point in time, okay? So these people are gathering together in Solomon's portico. We're going to come back to that in a minute. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. This little passage is so full of stuff. First of all, they're meeting in Solomon's portico. Solomon's portico was this, this area about 24 feet wide, huge columns in the east wall of the temple in Jerusalem. And, and that, that temple was built by Herod, but this area was referred to as Solomon's portico. And, and here's what we know. It was a place where Jesus had taught. In fact, if you read the Gospel of John in the 10th chapter, it's a place where Jesus taught about who he was. He was asked, who are you? And he said, I and the Father are one. It's at that point in this very place where Jesus had taught that now the disciples are meeting every day. And they're coming together, and the apostles are teaching them what Jesus has taught them. And, and in Solomon's portico, I, I love the fact that it says that, that there, were, there were people who were afraid to join them. What that means is this. They, they had seen what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. They understood this was a total allegiance type of commitment, this Christian thing. And so they're, they're standing there, and they're going, you know what, we're, we're, we're not too sure, but, but you know what? You guys are living this out. You're, you're, we're seeing things change. We're, we're seeing lives change. And, and, and so it was really a matter of are you all in or not all in? And the people who were not all in are like, we're, we're, we're not going over there. We just kind of walked to another part of the temple. But the people who were all in, the people who were all in were like, man, we're in. And multitudes of people were saying, you know what? We want that kind of hope. We, we want the kind of hope that changes us deep inside. We want the kind of hope that reaches out to people. And, and so in Solomon's portico, they're gathering together, and, they're, and, and what they're discovering is that these hands of hope that deliver are hands of hope that bring community and, 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 and conversion of our life. And when that happens, hands of hope change lives so that lives change communities. Can you think with me? Can you imagine with me? Can you, can you dream with me about what, what God might be getting ready to do out of all of this? Out of all of this, can you imagine with me what it is that God wants to do in your world, in your community, in our community? I got a phone call last night from Larry and Leanne Sellers. We prayed for them last Sunday before they left to return to the Ivory Coast, Cote d'Ivoire. And they called last night to let me know that not only did they arrive in country, but everything went smoothly, and they're at their home. And, and they had been here in the States much longer than they had planned to be. Actually, we're here for over a year. And Larry said to me, man, it's good to sleep in my own bed after a year of being out of this place that has become home. And, and as I thought about them and the way we pray for them and, and the other missionaries that we support, Eastside's ministry is far beyond just this region. It, it reaches all over the world. And, and I remember that there was an explosion in Beirut. And 
for many of you, you know that for over four decades, Eastside Church has had a partnership with the Melky family out of Beirut. Church of God leaders there. Some of you have met Camille and Hoda Melky, who've been here a number of times, uh, along with their daughter. And, um, and, and the Melky family, Camille's mom and dad, his aunts and uncles, these have been strong leaders for the church there. And, and when the explosion happened, within, within 24 hours, I had, actually within just a few hours, I had communication from Camille saying, hey, we're, we're taking inventory, the, the church, our heart for Lebanon, the church of God, we're, some of the buildings are damaged, but, but we're here because we believe hope can still exist, and we're going to keep sharing the hope of Jesus Christ. And then some of you may have picked up on, on Instagram or Facebook, there was a, a video made of Sister Melky in the midst of an apartment that had been devastated playing the piano. And we made contact and we asked him, and, and so I, I want to I show you this video. And, and then the worship band is going to come back and, and we're going we're gonna to wrap our day up thinking about the hope that God has asked us to be in the world. But here's what I, I want to say to you. If part of you being the hands of hope, God nudges you that you want to, you want to do something to help the folks in Beirut, then if you go to our online giving at es.church give or through the app and you go to that place where you push give and it has a whole thing, you'll see there are several categories. And right underneath that operational fund, which you have just done an amazing job with through, throughout COVID-19, we're so grateful, there's a place that says Beirut. And if you, wanted to, if you wanted today, if God is saying to you, you know what, one of the ways you can help, one of the ways you can be the hands of hope is to write a check then you could do that. But that may not be the way. It may be that when you see this video, God begins to put something in your heart about, about some other place around the world. And we're involved in something like 15 different countries around the world. So, and there's a little place there on that give button that says global engagement. You could give there as well and, and support the, the team members we have who are in those places. But, but it might not even be giving money. It might just be that, that God's beginning to place on your heart wherever you are, some place, some way for you to bring healing, for you to be the hands of hope, for you to give deliverance, for you to give inspiration, for you to come alongside someone. And so I just want to ask you, as we watch this video, as we listen to the words from Sister Melky, as we, as we sing the words of a beautiful song and see the pictures of God's family at work in a broken place, would you ask the Holy Spirit to tell you where He wants you to be involved? Maybe, just maybe, it's just like what I found in a classroom at Emory University in Atlanta all those years ago. Hope is stronger than memories. Memories are strong. But hope, hope is stronger. Listen. Everybody says there is no hope, you know? 
But I cannot, I don't want to believe it. I want to keep hoping that each time these catastrophes happen, we stand up and start again.